0: Hi everyone. Before we begin this week, I wanted to take the opportunity to promote two things. Firstly, we've set up a GoFundMe page to raise some money for a documentary being made about my musical Camino in May. Canadian filmmaker Simon Byrne is going to be walking with me as I do my concerts in towns and pueblos along the way. We're hoping to end up with what we're calling A Love Letter to Spain – It will be a film about my journey from losing my voice to making my new album, Storyteller. If you're interested in contributing to the fund to edit and promote the film, to help it get to you and your town, go to GoFundMe and search for Dan Mullins. The other thing I wanted to tell you about is a double concert I'm doing in Valparaiso, Indiana in the United States on Friday, March 15th. I'm hoping to do two shows, one at 5pm and one at 8pm, Chicago time, and would love to meet you all. It's at Don Quixote Spanish restaurant and tickets include the show and a beautiful Spanish meal. It will be a night to remember, I promise you. Tickets are $50 US, but because we're in Australia, it comes up on my website as $75. It's not. We're only charging you $50 US. It's the same as the musical Camino. It comes up as $1,000 when you try to book a ticket, but if you're in the US, it's actually only $650 US dollars. We still have a handful of places available for the Camino in May. So if you'd like to join me for the shows in Valparaiso or the walk in May, danmullinsmusic.com. That's it for the plugs. Let's get to this week's wonderful episode. Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. There's an old saying, a very old saying, the human soul is as a seed sown in the world. It contains within the germ of the flower and the leaf, but from without must come the means of nourishment and growth. That was from a book published way back in 1850 by Henry James Slack. The book's called The Ministry of the Beautiful. Then there's this from a book called The British Friend from 1892 by George MacDonald. Never tell a child you have a soul... Teach them you are a soul. You have a body, and the body is but the temporary clothing of the soul. That comes from a chapter in that book called Be Not Entangled Again in a Yoke of Bondage. <laughs> it's old language, but it's a familiar story, a familiar theme, particularly for pilgrims. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago. The Camino is a pilgrimage, a slow, step-by-step journey of discovery. Who knows why the Camino calls us? Who knows why we feel the urge to walk it, to share our stories, to keep in contact with pilgrims who we encounter on the path? Who knows why we pack a change of clothes in our backpack, perhaps some toiletries and some first aid supplies, and head off to share very basic dormitories with total strangers? But we do it. We try to water that seed that is the human soul. We try to provide ourselves with an opportunity to grow, to bloom, to flower. I mentioned that quote from Henry James Slack. The human soul is as a seed sown in the world. It contains within the germ of the flower and the leaf, but from without must come the means of nourishment and growth. What he's saying is is the nourishment and growth must come from elsewhere. We need to find it, to seek it out. We need to be actively seeking out the nourishment to encourage that growth. Well, the Camino is a very, very good place to start. Someone once told me years and years ago, your soul is what makes you, you. And I suppose that's a close enough explanation for most of us. But what if you felt you needed more? I thought a perfect place to start would be to talk to someone who's a mindset mentor and a pilgrim and a pilgrim guide. Doreen Puddigal is on the line from the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, Australia. Welcome, pilgrim.
1: Thank you, Ben. Awesome to be here.
0: Before we get into the work you do, both in a clinical sense and taking pilgrims on the Camino, tell us, Doreen, how the Camino came into your life.
1: Well, a friend I followed the a friend's journey and I was totally drawn in and I knew then that I had to do it and that was in 2017 that I went on my first pilgrimage and I just went on my own my last child had left home and it was time for me and as you know Dan it's just a calling and I had to heed the calling
0: yeah, yeah. so I think people, everybody could tell from your accent you're not Australian, you're South African. How long have you been in Australia and, and why did you choose to call Australia home?
1: Yes, I am a I am an Australian now. I've been here um, 24 years now, I think. Wow. Oh, it might even be more. Yes. And um, my husband and I packed up our lives. In 1998, and brought our two young boys over to Australia for a, a better future. There was a lot of political turmoil in South Africa. We didn't feel safe, and we we took the biggest journey of our lives, and we landed with our buns in the butter in Noosa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a beautiful part of the world. That's an absolutely stunning part of the world. Tell us about. Your life taking a sudden turn. Doreen, you were diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis.
1: Yes. So that's probably tied up with my Camino adventure, my first one. And also the work I do, um, the healing work I do, which is um, an incredible blend of tapping on Chinese meridian points hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming in a nutshell it's about changing all your beliefs all your programming that are that is working against you so I'd already started training as a mind body practitioner when I went on the Camino and I had just been diagnosed with Hashimoto's and it was such a such a realization for me because I knew where it had come from my nervous system was in constant um, conflict I was always on alert because I had to please everybody I came in contact with I was the good little girl I had to get positive attention from my parents and then as an adult I had to get it from everybody else so it was a It was an awful, insidious program to be running. And when your nervous system is in disarray, it affects your hormonal system. It affects everything. You're running cortisol through your body. You get inflammation. And most of all, it affects your immune system. So I ended up with Hashimoto's. And I was actually pretty excited because I was already on this transformational journey to change all of that. And to take back my power and start expressing myself and being me, authentically me, and saying what I wanted to say. And it didn't have to line up with you. And then I went on the Camino. And that is where I feel the final healing fell into place. Because it was there that I really expressed myself. I felt seen. I felt heard. All those yummy Camino things that we We found and going to I was entering Samos, the little town of Samos with the big monastery. Yeah, yeah. And there was a, a lady doing massage in this beautiful little stone building. And I popped in there for a massage. And it was more than a massage because one of my American friends was watching because she was in line to go next. And this lady was doing all these things with her hands. And anyway, I thought nothing of it. Finished. As I left, this lady came running up to me and said, I just want to let you know your energy is clear. And I burst into tears Because one of my biggest intentions on the Camino was to heal. And for me, that was a sign, I'm good, I'm healthy, no Hashimoto's. I went home, I did the tests, and all my markers were normal.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Wow, that's an incredible story. So this journey of illness, it then kind of parlayed and paralleled with your work, didn't it? and when i talk, when i talk about work it's really it's not a job as such it's really a passion and a job it's sort of your life and your 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 passion are parallel therefore it becomes your work
1: yes you know absolutely and um so now that's what i do i just help people become their authentic versions of themselves wow because we've got so many different cloaks and masks and we just wanna be accepted by everyone and we wanna please our parents. It's still running in the background. And so this journey is, I find it's about uncovering all of that. Like what are these patterns and programs that I'm running and are they mine? Or did I adopt them to keep myself in alignment? And now I can start to let them wow. go and find out who the real me is.
0: Wow. I'm so excited to talk about all of this because I'm and I'm going to go through each of the things you do. Uh, but let's start with being a mindset mentor. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So I've probably been in this line of work now for seven years. And it is incredible. Uh, I'm always working on myself. I'm always catching myself. And we call it being in a, you, being, you can either be in a negative hypnotic trance or a positive one. And the negative ones are the limiting ones. So it's constantly noticing that you're a fish in water. You know, there's that famous um, speech. I forget his name now. Where the old fish swims past the two young fish and says, Hey guys, how's the water? And they go, What water? What's he talking about? <laughs> and it's like, sometimes we just don't know. We're in it.
0: Yeah.
1: We just we're just following um ideas we picked up from childhood that keep us safe and in alignment. And and um when we peel back all these layers, it's like giving ourselves permission to step out and be our authentic selves, and yeah, so that's my that's the work I do now with clients, and then um, I I do a little bit of it on the Camino um, with groups that I take as well.
0: Yeah, so you talked about there the negative and, and positive. How would I know where I f- fall? Is there a, is there a simple test? Is there a simple method of sort of saying oh i'm i'm in a negative mindset or i'm in a positive mindset i'm trapped or i'm not trapped
1: you know you've you always feel it in your body like when you were reading that quote in the beginning you are a soul with a body your body clothing your body is clothing of a soul so our bodies are always giving us messages and my body gave me a message in the form of illness so, my immune system was in disarray, and and so that was my that was a sun. Our bodies, there's there's so many books like um, Dr. Gabor Mate, "The Body Keeps the Score." There's one by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. These are all physicians and psychologists. Um, yeah, and. So the body is a barometer so and you know when you're feeling bad, you yeah. feel heavy, you feel negative, yeah. there's a voice in your head. And so what I teach people to do is to break that trance. You don't even when you do work with me, we figure out where it comes from, which is creates great awareness around it. But really all you need to do is tell your subconscious, and really, everything is programmed in the subconscious. So when we tap, we are just saying, let it go, let it go. That, that shitty feeling, I'm letting it go, I'm letting it go. I'm safe now, I'm really safe. Look around, and when we're walking, you know, we can look around just at home, go for a walk, look at the beautiful sky, the bush, and bring ourselves back into the present Where we are safe, and you know, it's what we do in our heads most.
0: Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. So that's being a mindset mentor. Tell us about faster EFT.
1: Yeah, so that's the modality I use, which encompasses tapping on Chinese meridian points or EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Technique. So the the aim is emotional freedom. So we're breaking free of everything that's holding us back and then at hypnosis because as I said we're in a constant state of hypnosis we just don't know it, we're in the water we're in the water of um, bad money beliefs or, or limiting beliefs about myself I better stay small, I better not stand out, I better keep quiet and and so with hypnosis, we, well, Dr. Bruce Lipton calls it super learning because we get the conscious mind out of the way with hypnosis so that you can go to those deep beliefs and change them. It's safe to talk. It's safe to be me. I'm really okay. There's nothing to fear. Yeah, so so FAST-EFT encompasses all of that and neurolinguistic programming is how the mind works, how the brain works. We also use neuroscience. The brain can change. And you know, and so another helpful little tip is it's the amygdala in the brain, which is like the smoke alarm for the body. So it is always scanning for danger. You know, like all oh, those people might not be safe. And it happens on a subconscious level. So you find yourself just avoiding people and you don't know why. So with this work, we figure out why, and then we change it. It's those so, Because that amygdala is on alert, hey, not safe. So we calm the amygdala in the brain, and then the body feels safe. Because then it, it's a cascade of chemical reactions when you feel bad. You produce adrenaline, cortisol. So it's getting to, it's getting to all um, those beliefs and past events that have made you and your brain on a subconscious level decide that's not safe. Wow. You know.
0: Tell us about the tapping. Now, we're talking on Zoom so I can see you, and when you're t- talking about tapping about meridians, you're just tapping the middle of your forehead and tapping your cheek. Tell us about tapping.
1: Yeah, so tapping, there's a few things with tapping. First of all, with research, they've shown that it reduces cortisol in the body by 74%. So if you, it's a great stress-relieving tool. So I teach all my clients and the people that walk with me how to tap because when you're feeling bad, if you start tapping, you, it's actually scratching the record of how you feel it breaks the connection between the brain which is going to cause a response send a message to the organs in the body to produce all these negative chemicals and by doing by tapping on these Chinese meridian points so they are really electrical pathways to the organs so we're breaking that connection so that you can't Go to that negative place. So it's such a quick stress reliever. And by adding in the words, let it go. I'm letting go that bad feeling. You're really just talking yourself through what you don't want and then to what you do want. It's a beautiful day. It's I can feel good. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm I'm excited about this day. I'm excited about meeting those people. I'm really safe. And then we breathe, a big breath in, squeeze the wrist. There are more meridian points in the wrist. And we say peace because the brain and the body knows what peace means. And that's the ultimate aim is to be in peace.
0: Great. Great. And, and it's all about, now I read some of the research that you had done and you help people reach their potential. You release stress and anxiety and trauma that in in most cases prevents them from living their best life. So, Doreen, what role does the person themselves make or play in in making that happen? Is it all you working your magic, or is the person themselves having to do some of the heavy lifting too?
1: That's such a great question, Dan, because it's a 50-50 relationship. And if that person is not ready to change and there's often a sneaky little benefit of staying stuck, Mm. like you stay in alignment with your family. For instance, I want to lose weight, but all my friends love eating cake and coffee every morning and I meet them. There's a benefit to staying there. So I'm always looking for that benefit. It's also called the secondary gain or the payoff and once the person is really ready to change their identity, to change their beliefs, some, unfortunately, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, like get ill or lose everything. Then we're ready to really commit ourselves. So when I'm sitting with a client, I want them to be in boots and all, and I'm in boots and all, and that's when the magic happens.
0: So I read on the website, it says, together we will identify limiting beliefs and events that have impacted your well-being. So you're saying to the client, "Um, let's sit down and talk through some of the things. So when you say beliefs and events, are they things that might have happened in my childhood? Are they they things that perhaps I might have blocked out? And are they things that I potentially don't even realize were events that, or beliefs that limited and impacted my well-being. Perhaps I don't even know they were.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) That was me. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was in my trance. So I'm telling you just about everything goes back to childhood because in those first seven years of life, we are in a state of hypnosis because the brain is in theta brain waves which is the same as hypnosis. And nature is very clever because you have to learn really quickly how to operate in this world. So whatever your parents are telling you and your teachers and everyone around you, you absorb it and you embody it and it becomes hardwired. But it's not always working for you. So you can get to 50 years old and realize that all these beliefs you've taken on, these ways of being. Um, you know, and you might have, you might have had sort of financial hardship growing up. And you carry that into your adulthood. Mm. And you have these very negative beliefs. You sabotage your success because I can't spend money on that investment. I've got to save my money. That's just one little example. Or I'm going to eat. I eat lots of chocolate because when I was little, the chocolate got linked with love because mom gave me chocolate and all we want to do is be loved. So that's the neuroscience with the brain just loves to link things. So every single time we go back to childhood and it's, so we ask a lot of questions. When did this first happen? And it's, amazes me every time dan how the memories come up yeah the, the body just wants to heal the brain and the body when you give them an opportunity they they know it's a natural process so we go we we isolate all the memories all the events and i mean sometimes people have really bad things happen to them and it's obvious you know yeah. like sexual abuse or they were beaten that is really obvious but sometimes it's just your me your needs not being met mm. because your parents are busy trying to make a living and the biggest thing the biggest need we're born with is is the need the need to be looked after to be seen to be loved And then we quickly decide, hey, there's something wrong with me. And it's very subconscious. So therefore, I've got to work harder for love. And then you find your whole life, you can't get into the right relationships.
0: That's right. It snowballs all around you. But I wonder, though, Doreen, do most people realize that they're not living up to their potential?
1: I promise you, it is a constant journey. You can never say, I'm I'm there, I've arrived. There's always another level. There's always another layer of conditioning. So it's childhood conditioning, and we're conditioned by society, you know. We're all in the system of going to work. And, like, you know how hard it is for some people to even give themselves permission to go on Camino. Yeah. Because we, we need to be the one who's looking after the family. How dare I just go off for a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you break through all of this and you give yourself permission, um, it's incredible. Then, yeah, you reach a new level.
0: What do you hear most from people that you work with, people who have sought and then later found change?
1: That's the cherry on top for me. When people contact me. Like I had a young guy that I worked with and he phoned me three years later and he said, "Darren, I just want to tell you I am living my best life and I do some tapping every morning and I do Wim Hof breathing and I know that I have to take control. I have to be in the driver's seat. And he said, I'm making YouTube videos and I'm creating art and my confidence has soared, so I love hearing back from people, people um, just like me sort of going in remission from Hashimoto's, people do the same or they let go of pain. <laughs> it's a whole world, Dan, like even long-term chronic pain that doctors can't explain, it's because the brain and the body are in a loop. They're just going round and round in this loop. The body's telling the brain, "I'm in pain." Then the brain goes, "Okay, we better create more pain." That's it in a nutshell. And when we go to the source of it, like what's what emotional, what emotions are around this, and we start to do the hypnosis to let it go, then the pain goes away. <laughs> so it's it's the most rewarding work.
0: When you talk about hypnosis, I have a little bit of insight. Oh in relation to that, when I lost my voice, um, you'd know the Australian singer, Delta Goodrum, perhaps of a lot of our international listeners wouldn't know Delta Goodrum, but she's a very successful Australian singer. She lost her yeah. voice and she went to this particular person to seek uh, treatment and part of that treatment was hypnosis. So I went to see that this particular person and I was hypnotized and it helped me greatly, I have to say, it helped me greatly. Because we did a lot of work with my subconscious. And I wondered if that's something you do. Do you work with your clients or patients subconscious to try to get to the inner you, the deeper you?
1: Yes, that is the piece de resistance. Because we are operating in the subconscious mind 95% of the time. And we need to, because we every time we get in the car, we can't start thinking, now, how do I drive? It's automatic. <laughs> but the trouble is, everything we've learned and all the decisions we've made to keep ourselves safe are now hardwired. So when we access the subconscious with hypnosis, and all hypnosis really is, is getting you into a state of relaxation so that you can take in these new beliefs that my voice, my voice is amazing, my voice, I can speak, I can sing, you know. I mean, I do it with tapping because that's also how we access the subconscious because we're confusing confusing the conscious mind again that's saying, no, I'm never going to get better, maybe I'll never sing again, and it's opening up that aperture for healing, for possibility. Mm. And that's where the magic happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The subconscious is an extraordinary thing. It's, it's. I hadn't really ever, well, I certainly hadn't sat with somebody who was going to talk to my subconscious as this particular therapist did. It was quite an extraordinary experience, I have to say, and it moved me greatly. It changed me deeply. And I'm a great and very firm believer in the power of, of the mind in that respect, and I think it, it it's amazing. Oh, that's so exciting! How oh, I could talk to you about that for hours. But we also need to talk you and I about the work you do on the Camino, because tell us about soul of my feet, and it's a play on words with soul spelt S O U L. Tell us about soul of my feet. Yes,
1: um, you know I see walking on the Camino as a soulful act it is soulful, it's a soulful experience, you, it cannot not open you up, it cannot not affect you. So we really are accessing that deeper part of ourselves and as you mentioned, the subconscious, because suddenly all, we have these realizations because we're now outside of our normal routine the body starts to relax, the nervous system and you can now access that subconscious, you can access your truth and you can suddenly realize, hang on a second, what have I been doing these last 50 years? And you can also have immense gratitude for how far you've got but now you have this, this inkling of the future. Wow, I'd like to maybe retire or i want to go to coffee shops more and talk to more people and i want more connection and that's why you know i decided to call it soul of my feet and um i have a little facebook page and a website because i do take women on this on this journey now and just share what i've learned and i want them to have this this opening and, you know, quite frankly, it's also just a total celebration of life.
0: Yeah. You, you encourage pilgrims walking with you to experience the art of pilgrimage. Tell us about the art of pilgrimage. That's an interesting term I don't think I've heard before.
1: Two places I got that from. So I got got it from Phil Cousineau, who wrote a book called The Art of Pilgrimage, which I absolutely love. And... Also, um, I did, with my very first group, we went on retreat to Basia and Bertrand. um, Flores del Camino is the name of their retreat. And it's just past Astorga. And we had an afternoon session on the art of pilgrimage, which was absolutely delightful. And it was all about... What to notice along the way on this soulful journey in the flowers. Mm. It was all, we did sacred geometry. You see it in the churches, in the rose windows, you see it in nature. And again, it's just opening the aperture to fall in love with this world Mm. and ultimately fall in love with yourself and your life.
0: Yeah, wow. And it's about the art of living a good life. And I suppose, to me, art is a curious word to describe a a way or a path of life, but it makes sense now, doesn't it? Because art is about beauty and, and, and passion. And if you can find beauty and passion on the Camino and in life, you're heading toward a good life, aren't you? Oh, yes. I
1: think that's... That's what we're here to do, you know? Like I also bring in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. We're on a hero's journey constantly, just being born is a hero's journey. Mm. On the, when we go on the Camino, we're on another hero's journey. And the thing he says, i uh, he's amazing. I've, I'm actually re-watching a six part YouTube series on mythology that he speaks about and really he's he says the ultimate aim so all the myths across cultures and literature it's in movies it's all about the hero's journey and ultimately we are trying to find meaning in this human body you know what are we doing here why are we here why are we walking this Camino? Why am I putting myself through this? And it's this constant search for the beauty. And um the thing he said was, he says he's he's not so sure. We're just here to find meaning. We're here to find, we're here to really be alive. And that's really strikes a chord with me. When I go on Camino. I'm really coming to life. Mm,
0: Yeah, that's great. There's a great story about you and Sylvie on your website. I I was delighted to read that story. Tell us about that.
1: Oh, she's my favorite girl. (laughs) So we (laughs) we met, and you can call that another bit of Camino magic. In 2017, as you know, I went off to do it on my own. I'm on the train to St. John, Port, and I thought, now I can, I'm quite an introvert. I could just do this whole, in my mind I'm thinking, I could do this whole Camino and be really lonely and cry all the way. I'm missing my husband and my children. Now I must make a friend. So I see her sitting on the train. I thought, oh, she looks about my age. So I go and tap her on the shoulder. It turned out she also had three children and left her husband at home, from um, Montreal, Canada, French speaking, and I ne- would have never guessed. But we ended up walking the rest of the Camino together. We started together. We finished together. Um, obviously, you walk at your own pace, and you. We made a big Camino family, but so that was the start of something amazing because we both decided we wanted to go back and take other women to experience what we had experienced. So every year we sort of say, are we gonna do this again? And
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we both go, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so how so,
0: how many people do you take with you when you walk?
1: Um normally about Eight.
0: Okay. Eight, eight, eight to 10. Mm, mm. Yeah. How fantastic. And I loved um, on your website, you said, you will not escape your body or your mind on this journey. We are human beings awake, sharing steps, niggles, stories, navigating the mystery, feeling the love. That's a very honest sales pitch. You're kind of saying you're going to live and breathe it all. You're going to experience everything here.
1: Yes, and you do, don't you? (laughs) I always say to my ladies, you're going to most probably somebody's going to irritate you on this journey, or you're going to have a day where you feel really grumpy, and we have a saying, it's all part of the game.
0: (laughs) Ah, I like that. It's all part of the game.
1: Just like in life, you're not going to just feel blissed out all the time. It's all part of the game, the good and the bad.
0: Yeah, good for you. That's <laughs> unreal. I really like there's that.
1: There's another little saying, sorry to interrupt you, that I came across, I think it's a French proverb, that a pilgrim always has a pebble in their shoe. So there's always some little niggle.
0: <laughs> That's great. I've never heard that before. And you'd think in more than 360 uh, interviews, I would have heard that. I've never heard that. That's amazing. Pilgrim always has a pebble in their shoe. Well, That is true too. That is true.
1: And you sometimes you just have to ignore it.
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) that's right indeed. And you say (laughs) the Camino is an addiction, but it's a nice problem to have in a world dimmed by the regular, the routine. And I guess the question I would ask then is in a world dimmed, the Camino can shine light, right?
1: Yes. Yes, because you've given yourself permission to go on this journey and you're throwing off all the shackles of work and commitment and responsibility. You're facing yourself on that road. And it's a mystery. Who will you be? be at the end. And Mm. as we know, it doesn't, it doesn't end when you get to the end. It's just the turnaround. Mm. And that's the thing that I'm always, that that's my constant mission is to keep integrating it more and more and more when I get home.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. When you get to Santiago, sometimes you can feel a little down in the dumps because you'd still love to be walking, but you're also excited about the getting home to see your family and friends, and you're also excited about putting into practice what you've learned about yourself. And I think that every time it bubbles to the surface in our day-to-day life, we think, oh, that's the Camino talking. And that's a lovely thing, a lovely reflection to be able to have. We talked about the fact that you're now an Australian, but you were originally from South Africa. Tell us about the Cape Camino you're walking later this year.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> So last year, I went and did a little recce and mm-hmm. tried it out because in my mind, there's nothing to beat Spain. I have done some of the Via Francigena in Italy. And so this mother and daughter started it after doing the Camino de Santiago, and they've put such a lot of incredible work into creating the 750-kilometer wow. journey. Yes, and they've really tapped into the soul of South Africa. I was blown away. You get a chaperone. So this person who has local knowledge walks with you and guides you, and you get to share stories. I mean, I I, I cried when I left some of them last year. <laughs> um, and you know, there's there also a few stories of theft. Like some people have had difficult lives. So you, you really it brings back the gratitude again for your own life. But anyway, we are doing a section of it this year all along the west west coast. So it's two hours from Cape Town. And um, we will actually pass Khoisan Bushman paintings in a cave which are ancient, so there's a little bit of, of Camino um, reflection and spirituality You yeah. I love that. As you know, mm. the side of my feet, I love that. There's a labyrinth along the way, and you get to stay with people, local people who've turned their homes into albergues, <laughs> or otherwise if they don't have families to accommodate you with they'll put you in little cabins or holiday accommodation but then you go you normally go and have dinner with a family wow and it i must tell you there's nothing to beat south african food and hospitality
0: <laughs> how <laughs> wonderful it, Is it really expensive is it, it is it how's does it compare i mean the camino de santiago is very cheap
1: it actually is. It's not expensive if you go and do it on your own, um, because of the exchange rate with the rand. Sadly, mm. sadly the rand doesn't have much value. Yeah. So but, um twelve rand to a dollar.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's re- if you can just get yourself there, um, you'll have a very reasonably pressed Camino.
0: Wow. How exciting. That's fantastic. You quote Rumi on your website. Out behind out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there's a field. I'll meet you there. Mm-hmm. Talk us through that. Why is that quote okay. special to you?
1: So that's special to me because we get so caught up in what we should be doing and what we're not doing and we beat ourselves up somehow as human beings, we have to live with this voice in our heads, which again comes, comes back to our beliefs and our programming, but we're always going to have this voice and, and literally it's just there to keep us safe, but nevertheless, it can be an absolute pain Mm -hmm. because you've constantly got to calm it down. (laughs) So, when you go on Camino you go on some soulful sacred road where millions have gone before you and you feel that energy and you you open yourself up to it it's not just a holiday it's not just a hike it's a field of possibility where you can calm down those voices and all those um sort of tendencies to keep yourself small or worried. And you can literally set yourself free. It's a field of creativity, potential. Hmm. And, and I, I encourage everyone to really consider that when you go on Camino. Yeah. Yeah. What an
0: extraordinary answer. So you're on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. And the beach plays a part in your life, a big part. Tell us about your relationship with Mother Nature, Doreen.
1: I'm so lucky, Dan. I'm surrounded by nature here. And, you know, I grew up in a city, Johannesburg, in South Africa. <laughs> and, you know, we were always, because of the politics, we were always afraid of people. And um, it's just, you know, it is what it is. And um, here, this has been like a real, you know being sort of adopting my um, getting into the healing industry, um, emotional wellness, and moving to Australia. why I love the second half of life, <laughs> is that I've been so lucky. I've you know I can walk out my door, the beach is two hundred meters away. I get to go and walk down that beach. But again, to come back to the healing, I used to not make eye contact with people. And then as I did this work, I thought, what is going on in Darin? <laughs> And again, it's that fear from, you know, people are not safe from my childhood because you didn't know mm-hmm. because there was a lot of poverty in South Africa. So now I'm pleased to say I can walk on the beach and I lit- and because I've been on Camino, I know the value of connection, how connection literally feeds our soul and keeps us healthy, I can look all the people in the eye and greet them. And so I'm getting my dose of connection. I'm getting my dose of nature.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the beach is a great place to do it. How wonderful. What have you learned about yourself on this pilgrim journey, Doreen?
1: Oh, um, so much, you know. I've learned that I'm seen, I'm heard, I don't have to have all my makeup on, I don't have to be dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can just be myself,
0: yeah, and, and and yeah, and learning to love yourself in the same breath.
1: Oh, yes, yes, the journey the journey of self love yeah For- forgive yourself you know cuz we do make mistakes keep forgiving keep loving keep moving on
0: yeah oh it's it's been a pure delight speaking with you and hearing your perspectives on life and light and in particular the simple way you've been able to explain to us the work you do and i know that while you're uh Your scholarship, in in many ways, is quite complicated. I think the way that you've explained it is very simple, and that is we all have these barriers and and points in our life that are stopping us being our best selves. And going back and, and maybe working with someone like you to talk through those things, to go back and find what it is that's blocking us, is a great way to restart this next phase. I just wonder if somebody's listening now and they're, perhaps frightened or or hesitant to talk to somebody like you, to try to break down those barriers and be their best self, what would you say to them if they're feeling a bit reluctant or fearful or shy or they don't really, oh, that's not for me, I, I couldn't do that?
1: I would say we don't know, we've, we've got this one laugh, we don't know what's around the corner. Like, what do you want to do with your one wild and precious life? Mm-hmm. Like, don't waste time because it's all happening in your head. And it's so easy to just throw those shackles off. It's just a state of hypnosis that you're in <laughs> you're in the you the fish in water and like just come up and breathe and look around and 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 the funny thing is, like with my diagnosis, the body wants you to be authentic. When you're authentic, your whole nervous system just balances. All your health markers come into balance. So that connection between the mind and the body. So don't waste a minute. You know, Mm. start the journey back to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Oh, what a delight it's been to talk to you. It's so great. I've learned so much and I've, I have so much to look forward to because I know that out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and doing, there is a field and we'll meet there. So great. But before I let you go, will you tell us a Camino story? A Camino story, huh?
1: So we were with our group of ladies and, you know, as you know, it's just the magic of the Camino. We arrive in this tiny town, and I'm always conscious of how people view us. Oh, here come this loud group of women. <laughs> so we go into this cafe, and we all want to have a nata, one of those beautiful custard tots you get on the Portuguese. <laughs> and there are only two. And as you know, the, you know, the towns are small. And this girl makes a phone call. The owner comes and he says, how many would you like? So we put in our order. He says, can you wait 20 minutes? So With no problem. We, we are in no rush. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes later, all these natas arrive hot out the oven. And then he brings out his grandmother, his grandmother's, let me try and remember what they're called, clarinhas. And it is a pastry. And it's got green squash in the middle. Absolutely stunning. So he brings these out and he refuses to charge us for them. And he's got all the green squash on the counter. And this is his grandmother's recipe and it's famous. So there we are. After walking in and being disappointed, there we are. And we've got this bounty for morning tea. That's great. And... You know, you just walk away just feeling absolutely humbled, amazing, grateful.
0: (laughs) And you get to do it again and again. You get to see the joy and love and light in the faces of those people you walk with, which must be delightful.
1: Yes, and I always warn them, Dan, I'm Very sorry, but I'm probably creating an addiction
0: for you. That's great. Well, Doreen, it's been wonderful to spend this last hour with you, hearing your stories, learning so much about what you do, both in a healing sense in clinic and in a healing sense by leading people on the Camino. I'll tell everyone where to find you when we finish up in this interview, but thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And when Camino...
1: Thank you, Dan. And I would also just like to say, I'd like to wish you well on your upcoming trip with your your guitar and your troupe of people. Um how incredible. I mean, the healing value of music and the the celebration of life that is going to take place on your Camino. I cannot wait to follow you there.
0: Thank you so much, Doreen. God bless. Bye bye. My guest this week was the Australian pilgrim, Doreen Puttergill. You can find Doreen and Sylvie at soulofmyfeet.com. Soul is spelt S-O-U-L. Three quotes to revisit this week as we reach our albergue to put our feet up after a long day's walking. Doreen's quote from Rumi, out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. And two very old quotes. The human soul is as a seed sown in the world. It contains within the germ of the flower and the leaf. But from without must come the means of nourishment and growth. That's from a book published way back in 1850 by Henry James Slack. It's called The Ministry of the Beautiful. And this is from a book called The British Friend from 1892 by George MacDonald. Never tell a child you have a soul. Teach them, you are a soul. You have a body. The body is but the temporary clothing of the soul. I love it. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks so much for your company. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way